five, four, three, two, one. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Inside You. I'm your host, Xavier Audic, and we are back for another Power 5 Monday after another big, big, huge weekend in college football. Three top 10 teams lost, LSU, Auburn, and Oklahoma. Certainly very interesting, a lot of interesting things to take from that, so let's get right into it. First things first, as usual, I was right and I was wrong. I was right that Houston would defeat Tulsa. Final score there, 41-26. Houston continues to show why they may very well be the best team on their side of the American Conference. Certainly very interesting to see where that goes forward. Unfortunately, it looks like Ed Oliver's Heisman Trophy candidacy is probably over, but still a very big season for the Cougars, who are very much in the hunt for a conference championship. Moving on, I was wrong about Boise State defeating San Diego State. San Diego State continued to show why they also are one of the most slept-on teams in that Mountain West, getting the job done there, 19-13. Furthermore, this game certainly has implications for the group of five teams. Right now, UCF is firmly in control of their berth in a New Year's Six Bowl. Boise State, this is now their second loss, losing not only to San Diego State this past weekend, but also Oklahoma State a couple of weekends ago. And certainly a bit of a disappointing time right now for Brian Harrison's team, which many people picked to be the representative for the group of six in a New Year's Six Bowl. Then I was right that Middle Tennessee would defeat Marshall. Final score there, 34-24. Middle Tennessee certainly impressed a lot of people with that close loss to FAU this past weekend and then showed why they were the better team this weekend. Then I was wrong that San Jose State would defeat Colorado State. Mike Bobo's team getting the job done there, 42-30. Certainly Bobo, definitely a disappointing season so far, but if the Rams can turn it around, they could still manage to end up bowling, and that would certainly be at least a nice treat. Remember, Bobo did suffer a health injury concern going into the season just before the opening game for the Rams, and potentially maybe that's what's kept them from reaching their full potential this year. Then Cincinnati, I was right that they would defeat Tulane. Final score, the 37-21. Like I expected, Tulane came out a little bit hesitant. Willie Fritz's team still looking like they were suffering some of the effects over that huge victory over Memphis a week ago. Cincinnati now 6-0. Huge turnaround for Luke Fickle's team. Fickle's team was 4-8 and eight last year. Since then, they've managed to be undefeated. They're finally entered the AP Top 25 at number 23, and great to see that representative for them. So then I was wrong that Louisville would defeat Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, Paul Johnson, before the game, had made it be known that him and Bobby Petrino had a long-running feud. However, the Yellow Jackets were able to hang 66 points on the Cardinals, Certainly a game that has huge implications for Petrino's immediate and long-term future as coach of that program. Right now, I don't think there's anyone that hesitates barring a huge drastic come from behind turnaround that Petrino will be fired at the end of the season. Then I was right that Central Florida would get the job over SMU. Central Florida now certainly in control of their destiny as that representative from the group of six. Mackenzie Melton continues to show why he may be that best group of six quarterback. Certainly another big win for them. Also, SMU continuing to show a little bit of disappointment following Chad Morris's exit. Sonny Dykes entered the season with a lot of hope. The thought was that he and the pairing of Ben Hicks would go well. Certainly off to a bit of a rocky start here, but we'll continue to monitor that. Then I was wrong that Oklahoma would defeat Texas. Close, close game here. Final score, 48-45. Murray, Kyler Murray of Oklahoma was able to rally after being down 21 points at one point. 
but unfortunately the Sooners weren't able to get the job done. Texas, meanwhile, continues their winning streak. They Many people have said, quote-unquote, Texas is back. We'll talk about that a little bit more later, but a huge win for Tom Herman and his team. Cameron Dicker kicking the final game-winning field goal to seal the victory. Sam Olinger continues to come into his own, showing off some running ability as well as his passing ability this past weekend, and certainly a big win for Texas, who may very well now be in control of their destiny as a possible Big 12 championship team. Then, I was right that Memphis would defeat UConn, even with Memphis looking like it's taken a step back this season following the departure of former starting quarterback Riley Ferguson, the Tigers still very much an offensive threat to many teams. Daryl Henderson certainly making his way up some Heisman Trophy candidate watch list as a fringe contender. Norvell's team managed to get the job done over a rough, rough UConn team. Randy Edsall continuing his rebuild there. We'll see what happens. Then I was wrong that LSU would defeat Florida. Dan Mullen's team getting the job done 27-19 on the day that they inducted Tim Tebow into Florida's ring of honor. Certainly a huge victory for Dan Mullen's team. A lot of people were a little bit hesitant about Mullen following his loss to Kentucky. Since then, they've managed to win five in a row. They're 5-1, and one, and they look like very much a threat on their side of the SEC. Also, this game very much showed off LSU's limitations offensively and Joe Burrow's. Up until now, he'd been able to do just enough to get the job done. But in this game, certainly the pick six he threw cost them. And it just showed that LSU isn't necessarily what many people expected. However, I think a lot of people were expecting LSU to have a moment where they kind of did drop the ball, similar to last season when they lost at home during homecoming to Troy. So we'll see what happens with Coach O's team from here. But things certainly do not get easier for the Tigers anytime soon. Then I was right that Hawaii would defeat Wyoming. Tighter game than I think many expected. And without starting quarterback Cole McDonald for the Rainbow Warriors. But they got the job done 17-13 there. I was wrong that Auburn would defeat Mississippi State. Mississippi State finally showing some life here. After the game, head coach Joel Moorhead said he, quote, he remembered to take his coaching pills. He finally decided to just let Nick Fitzgerald do what he does best, which is run the ball. He had 195 yards and two touchdowns. The combination of him and Colin Hill certainly showed why many people picked Mississippi State to be a fringe contender in the SEC this weekend. Jared Stidham, meanwhile, continues to struggle. This is the guy who entered the season with a lot of Heisman hopes. Unfortunately, it looks like those might finally be dashed for the Tigers. Also, Auburn's schedule doesn't get any easier from here. And right now, they may have taken the role of spoiler. Then, I was right that Clemson would defeat Wake Forest 63-3 there. Trevor Lawrence continues to show why so many people were excited about him showing up. And with this victory and Trevor Lawrence is starting the whole game, the thoughts of Kelly Bryant appear to have finally put themselves in the past for the Tigers, at least for right now. Then, I was wrong that Boston College would defeat NC State. One caveat here, starting run Eagles running back A.J. Dillon did not play the game. Then, Conversely, for NC State, starting quarterback Ryan Finley continues to show why he is on many NFL watch lists, getting the job done there 28-23. Should be interesting to see what the Wolfpack do going forward, but another big win for Dave Doreen's team. Then, I was right that Texas A&M would defeat Kentucky. Tight game here. 14-14, 14-14, went into overtime. AM got the job done 20-14. The real story here to me was Benny Snell, only 13 carries for 60 yards. That was actually 10 less than his average for the season. A little unclear why they would ignore their workhorse in the biggest game of the season, but that's what they did. 
Still, though, Kentucky, even with that one loss, very much in control of their destiny in the SEC East. Fortunately, this was a game that they lost to a non-SEC East opponent, so they're still in control there. And they've got that big showdown with Georgia coming up in a few weeks, who they'll host. So certainly nothing to forget about Mike Stoops' team. And will be interesting to see what they and Benny Snell continue to do from here. Then, Wisconsin pulling off a huge upset excuse me, a huge victory over Scott Frost and Nebraska team. Nebraska still winless at this point. Wisconsin continued to show why many people have picked them to win the Big Ten this season. Offense finally starting to come alive a little bit. Certainly had been a little slower start than many expected. I think people thought between quarterback Alex Hornibrook and Jonathan Taylor and the wide receivers, the Badger would just steamroll teams, but they've been a little shaky so far. And then Probably the biggest win in terms of the college football playoff picture, Notre Dame getting the job done on the road against Virginia Tech. 45-23, the final score there. Certainly the real story of this game is Dexter Williams. Williams set out the first four games of the season for an undisclosed disciplinary reason. If you missed it, you definitely want to check out that 97-yard touchdown run he had, certainly providing a spark to the offense with him and Ian Book. The Irish look like a serious playoff contender. Ben, Moving along to this week's top storylines. First things first, we want to give a tip of the cap to the American Athletic Conference. Right now, they have three ranked teams from the group of five. They've got Central Florida at 10, South Florida at 23, and Cincinnati at 25. All three teams undefeated right now, certainly setting up some very interesting storylines heading into the end of this season when these teams will play each other. Scott, excuse me, Charlie Strong continues to get the job done at South Florida. Certainly probably going to work his way back into another Power 5 head coaching job, assuming the Bulls are able to finish the season strong. Meanwhile, like I mentioned earlier, Luke Fickle's turnaround at Cincinnati continues. They're undefeated at the moment. And then obviously Central Florida, who I think everybody is aware of right now, continues to win. And Mackenzie Hilton continues to show why he may be the very best group of five quarterback then. If you guys missed it, one of the sadder storylines of the weekend was a Maryland booster, Rick Jacklich, was suspended from the team charter flight heading to what would have been their game against Michigan. Jacklich gave an interview to Maryland student paper this year, this past week, where he was critical of former offensive lineman, uh, excuse me, Maryland former offensive lineman, uh, Jordan McNair's death. Basically, the short was he said that McNair did not do what he was supposed to and that he had failed to drink the prescribed one gallon of water. Therefore, he wasn't properly hydrated. To me, this is just complete BS. I mean, why you would say something like this that would just stir up such emotions and something that's been such a important hangover on this program so far doesn't make any sense to me. After seeing his name on the list of people who would be traveling with the team to Michigan, the team players spoke up, and that resulted in Jacklish not making that trip. I agree with it. I agree with this team. Remember, let's look at this team right now. First off, head coach DJ Durkin continues to be suspended. Very unlikely that I think he comes back. Furthermore, they've lost the player and also the subsequent fallout that resulted in head strength and conditioning coach Rip McCourt resigning. Don't exactly understand why Mr. Jacklish made this interview or even made the inflammatory statement that he did but again Maryland continues to show that they are going to do just about everything that's possible to avoid putting this thing behind them then wanted to give another tip of the cap to John Gagliardi the winningest coach in college football history if you missed it Gagliardi died over the weekend at 91 years old 
he was known for his innovative and in many ways unique coaching methods, which did involve things like not tackling in practice, no whistles. Division three coach certainly was able to focus on his primary role, which he said was to give students the prepare the skills they need to prepare them and turn them into men. Certainly a tough loss there. We our condolences to him and his family. Then another big story, starting wide receiver from Miami, Amon Richard, suffered a career-ending neck injury. His career as a football player is done at Miami. This is the second big loss that the Hurricanes have suffered, including also cornerback Malik Young. Both of them suffering career-ending neck injuries. Very sad, unfortunate, whenever we see a player as talented as Richard having to undergo something like this. But Richard will stay in school, and it looks like earn his degree, and Miami will honor his scholarship. So hopefully the young man will take what he's learned in football, put it to good use, and do something good going forward. But a huge loss for a Hurricanes offense that already was dealing with struggles. And I think we'll we'll continue to monitor it and see an impact with the loss of Richards going forward. Then, probably the biggest storyline right now, Mike Stoops is out as Oklahoma defensive coordinator. Stoops was fired following the Sooners' loss to Texas, in which they allowed the most offensive yards in the Red River shootout in the history of the game. This is a long time coming for me. Right now, at the time of his firing, Oklahoma's defense was 89th in total defense. Last season, there was already issues regarding their highly, highly ranked defense. At the time, Lincoln Riley kind of put a damper on it by saying, well, a lot of it has to do with the Sooners playing in the Big 12. However, this year, it was finally pushed had come to shove. Also, I think this shows that former head coach Bob Stoops' grasp on the program is waning as the days go by. Stoops last season very much present, very much had a role in the program. However, with the birth in the college football playoff. Lincoln Riley has cemented his own legacy and himself as the leader of that program. And I think this shows that Riley finally made the move that he could, knowing that there would be no backlash. So not a big surprise to me, but certainly a storyline. Interesting to see what happens, whether Stoops will rejoin his other brother, Mark Stoops at Kentucky, or he'll just call it quits. A long career. Remember, Stoops was the former head coach at Arizona before Rich Rodriguez took over comes from that Stoops coaching family. So it'll be interesting to see what happens from here. So and that moves us along to this weekend's games. First things first, things get started early on Thursday night with a huge showdown between Texas Tech and TCU. TCU right now, eight and a half point favorites. Texas Tech coming off a bye week. Cliff Kingsbury's team needing a little bit, a week to group themselves after that tough loss to West Virginia in which starting quarterback Alan Bowman suffered a collapsed lung. It's unclear whether Bowman will play in that game, but TCU also coming off a bye week of their own and dealing with their own quarterback injury as Sean Robinson is questionable. He left TCU's victory over Iowa State. Unclear whether Robinson will be available, but surely on a talent base and with Cavante Tripp and other pieces, I think the Horned Frogs get the job done here, but it should be a fun game to watch. I think there'll be lots of offense and it'll just be another fun Big 12 matchup then. In a matchup of with huge SEC implications, we have Georgia traveling to take on LSU. Georgia right now favored by a touchdown, coming off a win over Vanderbilt at home. This is the first major road test for Georgia, apart from that game early in the season at South Carolina. Georgia right now also very much the best team in that SEC East and very much in control of their destiny. LSU, on the other hand, coming off that tough road loss to Florida that we mentioned, 
That game very much showed off LSU's offensive limitations. And as Coach O mentioned a couple of weeks ago, LSU struggles on the offensive and defensive lines. I've got the Bulldogs winning this game here. I think when you look at the SEC right now, it's very much Alabama and Georgia and then everyone else. Furthermore, unlike LSU, which very much doesn't have a response if Burrow isn't effective, Georgia does have the ace in the hole of Justin Fields. Fields has already seen some playing time showing off his running ability. And if Jake Fromm were to struggle, they can bring him in here. This game, though, definitely going to be fun to watch. LSU's defense with Greedy Williams and the other pieces is a lot of fun. Furthermore, Georgia's offense, while it has been good, hasn't necessarily been great, possibly even a little bit less than what we expected. But I think the Bulldogs get the job done here, and I think that touchdown favor is about the right number. Then, in another matchup with huge Pac-12 limitations, implications, we've got Washington traveling to Oregon. Washington right now favored by three and a half. Certainly the story of Washington right now has been its up and down season. They look like a phenomenal team against a BYU team that had managed to defeat Wisconsin, but they looked average against UCLA, letting them hang around longer than certainly needed. Oregon, on the other hand, coming off a bye week after that surprising late last minute loss to Stanford. Also something to note is that this game will start a little bit earlier than Washington has been used to. Washington so far has been very much a very much a factor and consistent player in that hashtag Pac-12 after dark scenario. They've played a lot of late games. This game starting at 2.30 Central Time. That puts the start at 12.30 Pacific Coast Time. Should be interesting to see how the Huskies respond. Remember, in their one other early start of the season, that opening season game against Auburn, they look sluggish to start. It's for this reason I think that Oregon gets the job done. Oregon offensively has been way more consistent than Washington so far, and certainly while their defense is a concern, I don't think their defense will struggle as bad as I expect Washington's to. Also, Washington so far has very much relied on the tandem of Miles, running back Miles Gaskin and starting quarterback Jake Browning, but I think Herbert and the Ducks come out energized. I think they've had to sit with now that loss of Stanford, which they just saw be manhandled by Utah. Even with that bounce-back victory over Cal, they're probably still stinging a little bit from that late loss to Stanford, and I think Oregon gets the job done. However, if the Ducks do manage to get the job done, like I'm predicting, then if you're Pac-12 Conference Director Larry Scott, certainly a bit of a concern. Right now, Washington very much the Pac-12's only chance of making it to the playoff. The one benefit for them is not only that they lost to Auburn in the first week of the season, but it was a close game. Auburn has games still scheduled against Georgia and Alabama, which would make a loss to them look less and less embarrassing as the weeks go on if Auburn were able, able to upset one of those teams. Furthermore, with Stanford's losses to Notre Dame and Utah, they've essentially limited themselves from the picture, and USC has been gone for quite some time with that loss to Texas and Stanford. Also, Colorado, who is undefeated at the moment, even if they were to win out and finish the season undefeated, I don't think their cachet of non-conference games would be enough to get them into the playoff. So if I'm Pac-12 Conference Director Larry Scott, I'm very much rooting for the Huskies here. Otherwise, I think we'll see the Pac-12 miss out on the playoff for another year in a row. And unfortunately, I do think the Ducks managed to win this game. Then that takes us on to another big 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 Ten game between Michigan State traveling to Happy Valley to take on Penn State. Penn State right now favored by 14 and a half. 
Michigan State, certainly very disappointing. A lot of people had picked the Spartans to win their side of the Big Ten this year. However, they're coming off a loss to Northwestern, and they've continued to show an inability to score on offense. Certainly disappointing for Brian Lewerke. Also, he's without P- big piece is wide receiver Cody White, who is still coming back from a broken hand, as well as LJ Scott has been injured the past game. Penn State, on the other hand, they're coming off a bye week after that late last-minute loss to Ohio State. They've shown that they can score. Their defense still remains a concern to me, but their ability to score and Michigan State's inability to score is why I think Penn State gets the job done here, and I think that 14.5 number is right. Then we've got a huge Big 12 showdown between Baylor and Texas. Baylor traveling to Austin for that game. Texas favored by 17 points right now. And similar to that game between Washington and Oregon, this game very much has implications for the Big 12. Baylor coming off a victory over Kansas State. Charlie Brewer certainly coming into his own as starting quarterback for the Bears. Texas, on the other hand, coming off that big win over Oklahoma. Sam Erlinger continues to look better and better. He appears to be getting his confidence, showed off his running ability a little bit. And we're starting to see a lot of these Texas' back comments. However, for me, to really say Texas is back, they need to win this game. The Longhorns in this game will be favored for one of the first few times all season so far. Furthermore, I think they need to show that they can win in back-to-back weeks and coming off a big win like this. If Texas comes out sluggish, Baylor certainly will have their opportunities. And for that reason, I think that while Texas does manage to win the game here, they will it will be a tight game, very much possible they win by three or seven, and I would take the under here. Then, in another huge up in another huge game for the Big Twelve, we got Washington State. I mean, excuse me, West Virginia traveling to Iowa State. West Virginia right now favored by four and a half. Iowa State, on the other hand, coming off a big upset win over number twenty-five Oklahoma State, and that is without starting quarterback Kyle Kemp. Brock Purdy has shown that he, what he can do in his replacement. Very interesting. I like Purdy showing a bit of a difference for the offense, a bit more of a thrower. Certainly, I think him and Matt Campbell will be fun to watch in the years to come, assuming he continues to be Kyle Kemp's successor. West Virginia, on the other hand, coming up a win over Kansas State, but in a game that certainly hurt Will Greer's Heisman Trophy candidacy, he threw three red zone interceptions. In his defense, Kansas does lead the country right now in takeaways. But this game also, I think, has huge Big 12 implications. West Virginia right now, the only remaining undefeated team in the Big 12. Oklahoma, who I think many people thought would win out and manage to play their way into the playoff, certainly now likely out of it with that loss to Texas. Texas pretty much already took themselves out with that loss to Maryland to open the season. West Virginia, certainly the team right now with the best hopes of representing the Big 12 in the playoff. A lot of hype behind them with Will Greer. Also remember they had a win to open the season over a Tennessee team, which had a lot of hype with new head coach Jeremy Pruitt and Tennessee playing in the SEC may have an opportunity to up the quality of that win going forward. But if West Virginia were to falter, I think that would also take the Big 12 out of the playoff contention remember right now we're looking at a situation where it's very likely that there's two sec teams notre dame and then clemson as the four teams in that playoff and for the big 12 to avoid that happening and to avoid a scenario of them missing the playoff west virginia needs to win out i think west virginia gets the job done here although i think it will be a very close game certainly west virginia's defense continues to be a concern but their offense has not shown any slowing down and i think that manages to allow the man Mountaineers to do just enough to get the job done. Then 
in another big game for the Big Ten, we've got Wisconsin traveling to Michigan. Michigan right now, six and a half point favorites. Wisconsin coming off a blowout of Nebraska, but still the offense is certainly showing concerns. A lot of people coming into the season picked Wisconsin to win the Big Ten. The thought was that between the other defensive pieces they had, as well as the pairing of starting quarterback Alex Hornibrook and Jonathan Taylor, who was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy last year, and the wide receivers, the Badgers' offense would just bludgeon teams. Unfortunately, that has not been the case. They've been a little slow. Michigan, on the other hand, ever since that opening weekend loss to Notre Dame, has rebounded. The offense looks a lot better. The defense continues to show what they can do. They were able to do a lot this weekend without Rashawn Gary and some of the other members of that defensive line. I think Michigan Jack's the job done here. I think what we're going to see is a very tough game between the two teams that Michigan's offense is able to get the job done. My guess is the final score is here is probably about 17 to 10 with Michigan winning the game, like I said. Then in a huge Pac-12 South pairing, we've got Colorado traveling to USC. USC right now favored by a touchdown. Colorado, the last remaining undefeated team in the Pac-12. They're coming off a tight win over an Arizona State team, which managed to upset Michigan State early in the season. LaVisca Sinault, the wide receiver for the Buffaloes, is trending and making his way into a fringe Heisman Trophy contender. The pairing between him and Montez continues to show why they're so much fun to watch. USC, on the other hand, coming off a bye week. Certainly, some people are beginning to question starting head coach Clay Helton's job safety. A loss here would almost guarantee that he'd be fired in the offseason or before the season ends. However, I think just on a sheer talent level, USC gets the job done. But I am expecting a close game here. Offensively, Colorado does a lot of things which USC has historically struggled with. But I think the difference is just sheer talent. And for that reason, I'm picking the Trojans. And then finally, in a game which I think a lot of people might be sleeping on, you have Miami traveling to UVA. Miami right now is favored by 7.5. Miami also coming off a big comeback victory over Florida State. Although, even with the victory, their offense still is a concern. People were a lot of... very much excited when Nkozi Perry took over from Malik Rosier. There was a bit of a spark in the offense, but they've kind of reverted now to their mean. Also, they're going to be without Richards, who I mentioned earlier, suffered a career-ending neck injury. UVA, on the other hand, coming off a bye week. Bryce Perkins certainly has the offense playing better, and Brocco's Mendenhall's team looks poised for an upset. I've got the Cavaliers pulling off the upset here in a game which will continue to have serious implications for that ACC. Remember the ACC right now, only slightly above the Pac-12 and Big 12 in terms of playoff hopes. Clemson very much in the lead, but by a thread, looking more and more like the SEC does manage to get two teams into the playoff. Again, Notre Dame likely the third, and then Clemson the fourth. But with how poorly the ACC's managed to do, I don't know if you saw it, but ESPN released their annual weekly conference rankings they have the ACC last it's very much Clemson and everyone else and a Cavaliers victory here would continue to dampen the ACC's hopes so a lot to get into a lot more football to watch this weekend should be another interesting weekend with a lot of pivotal matchups definitely going to be some changes come Monday you guys have a great weekend I will be back on Wednesday for group of five Wednesday see you soon bye